Hi, I'm Aldias in Medium, and thank you so much for tuning in today. I want to try to bring religion and spirituality closer together, and this is what this pod is all about. I will talk about my own thoughts and feelings as I am both LDS and have spiritual gifts, something that I've had my whole life, but I always thought that it was hard to combine these gifts with my religion. This has torn me into two directions and I have talked to many people who feel the same way. I can't choose not to have my spiritual gifts, but I can choose how I use them. And I always want to use them for good and to help others. I believe my heavenly parents gave them to me for a reason. So. This is me. Join my quest for knowledge. Men versus Women, Chapter 9 The headline of this chapter is Law Number 6, The Law of Desire. He starts the chapter with a couple coming to visit him. When he tried to talk to them, the man shut him down and he realized that the husband had let his desire for his wife die. He comes back to this couple in the end of the chapter to sort of tie it together with his point of how important desire is in a relationship. He points out clearly that the type of desire he is referring to is not the sexual one, even though it is important, but I'm talking about the spark that affirms in your gut, I want to be with that person for the rest of my life kind of desire. He then talks about couples that fight and make up, and fight hard for each other. I'm reflecting back to my marriage. We hardly never fought. I guess I just didn't think it was worth fighting with him because I loved him more than whatever we could have argued about. But what if that, me backing off because I thought he was more important, made him think that he wasn't important? I remember him saying that I don't have any opinions of my own. It hurt so bad because I've been holding them back for years out of what I thought was love and consideration for him. I just never thought that he could get the wrong idea and accuse me of not caring. Mark says, quote, Couples in this state of mind have already begun to internally disconnect from each other. Their desire has already begun to wane." End quote. How is it that one person can be so oblivious to this while others sees it more clearly? My daughter said to me that she had seen the signs on her dad for years. Yet, I didn't see it. Not much in our relationship had changed from my point of view. Then again, I had never been essential in our marriage either. Not from anyone husband, kids, and especially not from me. That was a realization to see and to know how little I valued myself, saw myself, and prioritized my wants and needs. That doesn't mean being selfish, just making sure you charge your own battery so you have energy both for you and to serve others. I only gave and probably charge once every six months. I don't know about you, but only watch batteries or fire warner batteries last longer than that without charging. And once they're out of energy, you throw them away. So not really something to strive for. When desire leaves, your heart is no longer present in the relationship, Mark writes. But my desire never left. I really loved him and desired him. But I was really bad at showing it. He was the sun, the moon and the stars in my life. And I fell into the trap of taking someone for granted. I thought he would always be there. I guess, since he didn't feel it, it came to the next sentence I highlighted. The loss of desire in a relationship causes the loss of strength necessary to change it. No desire means you no longer care. Here, I need to say something. I desired my husband, but the lack of being seen, the lack of not getting anything back the way I craved it, physical touch and intimacy. He was amazing at cleaning and doing laundry and buying big gifts. But in the state of being locked down with limiting beliefs, 
I couldn't receive it properly or feel the love behind it. And all that is on me. So I can totally see from his perspective how he thought I didn't love him anymore. The thing is, we never once talked about it. Not once did he approach me asking me. And since I still loved him and life was as usual, I didn't see how it all deteriorated right before me. Now I see it, but not then. After this, Mark talks about Virginia Lively and the book she wrote, Healing in His Presence, where she writes about an experience she had meeting Jesus in a vision. I will only mention this because of some of the description that caught my eye. She said there was two things that struck her when meeting Jesus. The first was his sense of humor, and the other was his utter lack of condemnation. She goes on, I also realized that none of these things, nothing I could ever do, would alter the absolute caring and unconditional love that I saw in his eyes. And I realized that is what I'm looking for. First, I want to be chosen. And then, I want the kind of love that no matter what I do, age, look like, will never falter. It will always be there, burning bright. I see that sometimes in older couples. The way they treat each other and pamper each other, dotes on each other, The way they gaze and the love that just shines so bright, that is what I want. I also realized that I was no way ready for that, trapped in limiting beliefs of not being worthy of love, not being good enough, still not quite there, but doing a lot better. Mark writes it so well. Wow, it's precisely this kind of commitment to us that makes us feel loved. And when we know we're loved for who we are, We desire to change in order to please the one who loves us. That is why John writes, we love him because he first loved us. I think understanding who I am as a soul has helped me grow into my power and self-love. To value myself and to, I guess, like being me, hanging out with me. Today, I think I'm awesome, but it has been a long and hard journey to get there. So, in order for us to have a happy marriage, we must open up our hearts to God and see and feel his love for us and our partner. Or that is my interpretation of what I'm reading. When we choose to value our spouses and develop unconditional desire for them no matter how they act, eventually they will feel confident that they are loved and will want to change in order to please us. Isn't this how missionary work is? Someone finds the gospel and in understanding the love God has for each and every one of us, changes to abide by his law out of our love for him. This chapter is so good, and there's so much I want to quote, but I think if I should try to sum it up, it's we get so much unconditional love from God, and all he wants is for us to show the same love and mercy that he has for us to our partner and family, to them with whom we have a relationship with. And don't forget to extend the same love to yourself. It's my self-love that gets reflected back to me. If I don't have boundaries, integrity, or self-love, My relationships will suffer. This is my journey. Thank you so much for keeping me company today. Please download, like, share, and subscribe, and help spread the light and spread the word to expand our community. Let's bring more love, peace, and unity to this world. Take care of yourself and your loved ones. Always be grateful, kind, and loving. Be brave and remember to step out of your comfort zone and smile. If you support us on Patreon, you will get access to our meditations and extra materials so you can download them as mp3. Also, we now have a Facebook group, which you can access from our Facebook community. 
please answer the questions as you apply to participate. It will be a safe haven where we can keep discussing religion and spirituality, our spiritual gifts and self-development. Remember, one person can make a difference, but together we can change the world.